Hi everyone, welcome to Season 5 of Blurred Thoughts with myself, Azri, and Stephanie. Hi Stephanie, how are you today? Hi Azri, um, it's good. It's actually blue skies outside today, but it's so windy. It's like 35 kilometers per an hour, which mm. is crazy. But otherwise, it's Saturday morning and it's good. Well, it's storming here, so I always love that. It's it's great because it's really cooling. Um, but yeah, you know, before we go into today's episode, um, I was thinking that you know some explanation is due because of our very long, long, long hiatus. We were supposed to come back in January, but it's already March, and um, so you know, just a bit of background. Um, I fell very 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 ill in january it was really really bad i was like having high fever for like days and days and weeks and weeks and doctors had no idea why it wasn't covid i was tested a couple of times and then i did a couple of blood tests that were all normal doctors thought i was lying that wasn't fun um yeah then as i recovered in february stephanie got really busy with work so that became another you know, extended hiatus that we just did not uh, plan. Uh, throughout this period of time, we actually did talk about how we wanted to maybe try promoting our podcast on YouTube, having like a like a video feed as well. But today was te- tentatively the first try. But when we looked at ourselves and our setup, <laughs> we were just feeling a little too conscious. So we decided to backpedal on that plan for a while and just... Stick to audio for now and just see how things go. Exactly. Um, yeah, I think it's it's been it's also been a good break though. I think to step away from it and then come back to it quite fresh as well because we we started talking about the episodes we wanted to do in this new whatever season five. Um, but yeah, it's I think the break was also good. It's like time away so that we can come back fresh and you know refresh your feeds as well. I'm not so sure about time away because I think Stephanie you said this you said that um, we should get back to it because it does something good for both of us I think that was the word uh, those were the words that you used and I mean in a good way right because like I think both of us did not realise how I I wouldn't say how good it is but more like how this is a helpful outlet in a way so since we're now moving into season 5 this season we're actually looking at forbidden questions within various themes and um, specifically we're sticking to our favorite number seven so we're going to look at seven different themes and forbidden questions within each of these themes and today we're actually going to look at science medicine healthcare specifically vaccination and more importantly and i guess more more on the forbidden note we're specifically we're specifically going to discuss why anti-vaxxers think the way they do. And this is going to be a very challenging topic because we have a science expert and also a pharmaceutical expert. (laughs) So we're going to be as unbiased and as kind and as compassionate as we can be as we expound this detail further. Stephanie. Exactly. And I I think it's so easy for us to kind of get angry at vaccine hesitancy and anti-vaxxers but actually what we were as we kind of planned for this episode the way we planned um was actually to see actually could there be anything right in the way vaccine deniers actually express their hesitancy and express their 
strong opinions against vaccines. So we're going to kind of step away from our scientific expertise and kind of put ourselves in the shoes of anti-vaxxers and kind of say, actually, does this make sense? And why are they saying these things? And that's kind of what we're going to discuss in this episode. Mm-hmm. So, Stephanie, what do you think we should start with first? So I think we can start with the fact that, you know, I think we've seen so many posts since all of these COVID vaccines have come out. Like, as long as there have been vaccines, there have been people who are against them, right? I think I saw a video a couple of weeks ago um, where people were refusing vaccines um, when the smallpox vaccine started being used back in the 1800s. And the idea of injecting someone was just thought of as unnatural and almost like some sort of witchery or some sort of thing like that. Um, but in and actually, like although that kind of has existed, the modern day kind of anti-vaccine movement actually started with a paper that came out in 1990, 1998 where it claimed that vaccines cause autism. Um, and that paper was ultimately retracted. Um, and it was published in this kind of prestigious journal the lancet but the fact that it was it actually made its way to the lancet was published and then retracted any human who's not actually read the paper doesn't have the scientific knowledge to understand why it's bullshit would kind of say actually did they just remove it because it was part of an agenda part of a propaganda Mm. that's kind of as a as a human as an anti-vaxxer that's kind of what I would think, right? I mean, we've seen how this has played out in different different things, like, you know, the press we see, the the media tabloids and all of that. We've always kind of seen, actually, why did they retract it? Like, was there a yeah. hidden agenda and that kind of thing? So, and in mm-hmm. a way, that kind of has fueled years and years and years, <coughs> like, it's, what, 20 years, 20-ish years since that paper came out. But the anti-vaccination movement has kind of become so big. Um, and I think more than and i think people have been aware of those movements there have been policies around compulsory vaccination but i think it only until like recently there's so much information about vaccines has actually come out into the public space i feel like even as me being being a science student working in healthcare i don't think i've seen so much science that has existed in public space until the pandemic happened and people actually And even the fact that people know the manufacturers behind vaccines, like working for pharma companies, when I talk to my friends or my family, people don't even know these pharma companies or what what it means or what they do. Mm -hmm. But now people know there's a Pfizer one, there's an AstraZeneca one. And I think given that there's so much information out there, there's bound to be so much confusion and misperception. So let's kind of help the anti-vaxxers kind of understand where this kind of sentiment might be coming from. Mm-hmm. Yes, so you mentioned a few things So specifically about how all this information is a lot for people to take in A lot, People, mm. I think, always question motives And, you know, whether yeah. it's in police, whether it's a crime There's always motive So that's the very first thing I think the second thing is that people are also at a time where there's an information overload Because I mm. was discussing with Stephanie earlier about how we are in a very special spot at this time, in this period of time, because this is the first major global pandemic that has happened when internet and technology is like on par. You're able to get information at 
at your fingertips. So way back when, even before SARS or, you know, before like the Spanish, uh, uh, my God, all the plagues and depression or whatever it is, there was no way for you to really get information as quick as you could now. There was the mass media, but there was no such thing as blogging. There was no such thing as internet. There was no social media back then. So people did not have that kind of level of information. So I think now people start to question things because this is really the first time they are getting a hold of it. So one thing I have heard about when I speak to people who are rather hesitant about vaccines is the concept of why are there multiple vaccines? Uh, specifically, mm. they say that, you know, because this is a global pandemic, shouldn't there have been a global effort, a global concerted effort to sort of create one particular vaccine? Now, I understand how it looks like because I think most will just think like, oh my God, these companies are just out for profit. Obviously, I think no company, no business survives without profit. Now, let's not talk about business ethics. Let's set that aside. But I think we all need to understand that vaccines, even the basic flu vaccine, like for for influenza, you might not know this, but it has always been multiple versions. They are always building new ones. They're always trying to test new, better, more effective ones because we will never hit we will never have a vaccine that's 100%. Like, that, it just doesn't exist in science. So that's what we have to do, right? As humans, we have to keep on innovating and improving. And I think the same can be said for this COVID vaccine. That's why you you keep hearing more new ones. I think Stephanie mentioned Pfizer and AstraZeneca. I think there's also another one. Um, I forgot which... There's like a few. There's a few now. Um, Sinopharm, Russia's whatever vaccine yes exactly and at the start of this vaccine so-called hype there was only two I, I believe it was only two at the start and then now there's I think five or six so this is going mm-hmm. to start happening and I think because people don't realize it they're just very shocked by it but it's not something to be alarmed by but Stephanie one thing people have told me is they are concerned about safety, specifically because a lot of vaccines in the past did not take... Basically, it took a longer time to create. But as we've seen Mm. with COVID, it has been a lot faster, a lot quicker. There's been more that hit the shelves and, you know, achieve approvals from FDA. So you are involved in the industry and you know basically how a lot of these things work, how the back end what happens in the background. So maybe you can speak to the processes for how these things hit the shelves. Yeah, it's interesting how you started out with that question around people being confused why there are so many vaccines and that there should be a global concerted effort to create a vaccine. Mm. And that at the same mm. time, they're worried about the speed of vaccines. And I think it's quite funny, right, how people yeah. think. And I think that's the point because this is the first time we've been um, attacked by a pandemic globally. Because usually some of these pandemics or epidemics happen when at, in certain areas of the world, right? We've mm. seen SARS hit Singapore and like Asia but they didn't really hit Europe and you've seen MERS and Ebola and all of that, that hits different parts of the Mm -hmm. world, but never kind of globally. And it's because everyone is putting their efforts to create something that's going to help us overcome or kind of overcome COVID. That's why there've been so many different efforts. That's why there are six, probably 20 Mm. vaccines and there are other people developing these vaccines. So that's part of, you know, if you're looking for globally concerted effort, we're actually getting people around the world with 
all of these expertise, trying to find a solution in their own way. Whoever comes first, whoever makes it a, a better solution will make it. Mm -hmm. um, so in, in the fact, the concern around the global effort, that's the reason why there are so many different vaccines created by so many different points of views and, and stuff like that. Um, and in, in terms of your question around the speed, I think, again, because this is the first time it's happened globally, a lot of the bureaucracy and approvals that happen in a normal drug trial, it's kind of a bit lifted. It's a bit looser in a sense that previously recruiting people, getting approvals from institutions, getting the buy-in of institutions, then getting FDA and all of the regulatory authorities to kind of approve it. All of that takes years and it's just jumping hurdles and jumping hoops. So a trial can essentially happen in a year, but it's kind of the number of people involved, the number of hurdles you have to get through, you, the, the fact that you need to convince people why you need such a drug or why you need a vaccine is so much harder. Whereas with COVID, you already have a clear reason why you need a vaccine because millions and millions of people are dying every day. Um, and so all of that administrative hurdles are, you're pushing it through faster. Plus there's a bit of a pressure from government and public health bodies mm. to actually speed up the process. So in terms of it being rushed, it's more the fact that a lot of the administrative hurdles that happen normally in any drug trial or any vaccine trial is now being lifted. And I think the other bit was around the technology of how did they come up with this technology so fast? A lot of the technology that's being used in all the different vaccines has already existed before. Like they've been tested before. They've been used in Ebola. They've been used in flu. Um, and they've been tried and tested for years and years. And it's it's already been there. So all it needed is for a scientist to code the the genetic code code the genetic code to f discover the genetic code of the COVID back the, the coronavirus and then kind of map the vaccine technology behind it and that's all it needed so I think we shouldn't be I think it's a good thing that people are questioning it and given that there are so many things out there so the fact that there are so many vaccines is a result of global concerted effort the fact that it's done really quickly is the fact that there is a global concerted effort to get things done quicker than normal and having worked in the pharma industry for like almost eight years now the one thing you keep hearing is how pharma is just slow to adopt anything anything digital we're the slowest like a lot of people who work in pharma advertising or comms actually move away from pharma and move to mainstream stuff like coca-cola and all of that because it's just more fast moving people do so much more cooler things but the pharmaceutical industry is just stuck within boundaries of legal and regulatory which is good because it affects the health of others but it's been notorious for being really mm. slow so the fact that it's fast is because we've kind of broken some of those administrative hurdles that we usually go through but that doesn't mean that we are being loose around security and mm. safety of people, but the fact that we are just kind of removing some of the bureaucracy of funding and buy-in and all of that things. Does that make sense? 
Yeah, um, I just wanted to add in, um, you know, I think when people said a global concerted effort, I think people, <laughs> I feel like when people say that they've not really done a global concerted anything before, because one thing I can say, you know, too many cooks spoil the broth, and specifically if anyone, anyone who has done a scientific endeavor, a scientific research, a scientific paper, a scientific journal, you know, the moment you have to collaborate with like multiple people, it becomes a mess because everyone has sub, some some idea. They always think your idea is worse than theirs. And then it becomes this huge power struggle. Um, sometimes it's just uh, a, a penis comparing competition. It is just, <laughs> it's, it's just, you know, it's just a competition. It's not really about like doing what's best. And so I feel like, you know, the fact that different nations or different industries or institutions choose to go about their own endeavor and then reach their own endpoint is a much better use of time yeah yeah and i think that's the other point right because i think people often think of science and medicine as this kind of one answer 100 percent certainty like very absolute they think about science and medicine in very absolute terms but to your point like the fact that we have five different vaccines or six different vaccines each of it has its own methodology behind it or mechanism of action behind it it's because different people think differently to reach a solution that doesn't mean that one is better than the other. Yeah. We've seen the results. They're all kind of work effectively. It's just that the way of working, the way of thinking is different. So I think people need to also understand that there's no absolute answers when it comes to science and medicine, but there are different ways of approaching, which is why in a weird way, like, you know, when you go for a medical consultation, people often ask for a second opinion mm. to almost because another doctor will have a different opinion, but they might come to the same conclusion although they might have different ways of yeah. thinking so it's kind of the same concept of you know we have five different vaccines they all probably work about the same it's just that different people have worked different brains have worked on it the output seems different but achieves the same thing yeah but um i mean yeah i agree but i think i don't i don't blame people for thinking that there's always one no. answer because that's what you learn in school like i mean just exactly. just a, a small digression like i remember when i was yeah. learning um astrobiology i was told by my professor like about the rare earth hypothesis like there's no such thing as aliens because earth is unique earth is the only planet in the entire universe that doesn't have any that has life so life. no one else can have can have life and it was only like many years later I realized like that's actually just one theory. There's many theories about like, you know, extraterrestrial mm. life. And I mm -hmm. never learned about it because my professor had that particular thinking in his mind. He was really set in that particular framework. But, you know, as I spoke with other people, I realized, oh my God, there's actually different schools of thought. And I think that's the same thing here. Um, also yeah. to what Stephanie said about, you know, removing bureaucracy. I actually did do a medicinal chemistry module when I was doing my master's degree. And they said that, uh, the typical approval for a drug or a vaccine usually takes three to five years. But when you actually break down the three to five years, the clinical trial, the actual testing is probably like just six months. 24 months? <laughs> yeah, six. I mean, the really fast one can be six months. The longest one is about 24 months. One. But like essentially the majority of the time is really like a lot of the paperwork, a lot of the licensing, all the little backend stuff that's not really about quality of life. So I just thought, you know, I just wanted to back up what mm. Stephanie was saying. And this is something that all of you who are listening can, you know, find out for yourself. It's actually like available online. You can see the processes that FDA uses. So it's not um, something that we cooked up ourselves. But, um, you know, I, I, 
basically the point I'm trying to make is like, you know, for all our listeners, it's a good thing to question. It's really important to question things, especially in this day and age, we have technology to find answers. But at the same time, I really hope that listeners out there also are willing to listen because there's no point questioning Mm. if you're just questioning for the sake of argument. You know, questioning mm. for the sake of just being antagonistic and argumentative. Um, yeah, so that was what we wanted to discuss about, you know, specifically why some, um, why we feel some anti-vaxxers could, could learn with regards to the speed, uh, whether it's safe, and how, for example, the worry around autism is actually fake. It's actually not something, it was, it was basically retracted, it's not um, scientific fact. Because I think that particular yeah. article really took the world by storm but um basically mm-hmm. that, stephanie what do you think about people who argue uh, against the need for vaccines because they feel that you know just you know herd immunity so basically what do you think about people who say that you know we can do the same with diseases like mumps or polio stuff like that mm. why can't we why can't we proceed in tackling covid using herd immunity I think there's a couple of things, right? With the the vaccines causing autism thing, it's, I think this is the thing, right? It's so easy to see, it's easier to see a scary headline on news and then form an opinion around it because you, you rather not take the risk than the potential benefit. Although you might see all the different articles that show how vaccine has saved lives, you rather save yourself from a potential risk of getting a child with autism than um, being able to save so many lives and, and all of that. So I think um, the point I was trying to make was the fact that while it's easy to get not get carried away but while it's easy to get scared by scary headlines Mm. i think it's also important to take a step back and actually it's a bit like risk perception right it's like how much of a risk is it really um because i think initially when the vaccines came out there were a lot of stories around the potential side effects of the vaccines and people were worried about actually the vaccine is causing more risk and and health issues than it's actually helping but if you think about it all of the side effects that Pfizer's vaccine or AstraZeneca's vaccine or any of the vaccines that's been out there, the side effects are same as all of the other vaccines that actually has been in existence for meningitis, for MMR, for polio. It's like headaches, um, fatigue, fever. It's just your body's natural response to a foreign body in mm. a foreign body in your thing. And when I say foreign body, people are going to freak out um, again. And I think sometimes it's just a matter of stepping back and being like, actually, it's just a small step for a greater benefit. It's a small risk for a greater benefit. And I think to your point around the MMR polymeningitis, we've seen it being eradicated. But actually, the reason behind it being eradicated is the fact that we have been vaccinating against MMR polymeningitis for years. Um, And I think especially us, like we're in our 30s, we've grown up in a world where we've actually not seen an MMR um, epidemic or Mm. a polio epidemic because we've been lucky enough to be born at a time where people have been vaccinated for years. We've taken the vaccination. So we actually haven't seen um, MMR and polio and meningitis. And I think it's a bit of not complacency, complacency as well, but also 
because it's not in our immediate vicinity, we don't actually see what's happening. It's easy to believe that we've eradicated those. Like, why do yeah. we need vaccines now? Just taking um, it and for actually, granted. Yeah, we're taking it for granted. And actually, recently, I was working on a meningitis vaccine. And there is a whole campaign in Europe because um, in some parts of Europe, vaccination is optional. It's up to the parents. And actually, people have stopped vaccinating against meningitis. And you've seen there's been a surge in France and another country that I can't remember where meningitis is coming up again. And it's causing serious defects in children because people are not being vaccinated against it. And there's this kind of two commun two points of view where some people are, I'm protecting my child from autism because vaccination causes autism without realizing that actually my child can get meningitis and suffer from brain fever and like permanent neurological damage. And then there's other people who kind of like don't vaccinate and kind of say people around me are vaccinating. So it should be fine that if I don't mm. vaccinate and I protect myself. And so I think it, it comes, I think herd immunity as the, the word says like herd, it's, I think everyone's responsibility to be safe and it, I think immunity only comes from, especially in a pandemic like this, you need to vaccine and build your immunity against. And if everyone does that, then you build herd immunity. And the reason why we have herd immunity for MMR, polio, meningitis and all of that is because we've been vaccinating for ages. And we've already started to see how when people stop vaccinating, it comes back again. Um, and I think it, it, I think also sometimes I kind of think about, you know, me talking to people like this and then actually it's hard to believe when you actually can't see it happen within your own world because i've never seen anyone with mmr polio panangitis it's easy for and in a, in a way it's we've been vaccinated as children it's compulsory in singapore to get vaccinated so you don't think about it consciously in terms of should i be vaccinated against mmr whereas in countries where vaccination protocols are optional parents are making those decisions but at the same time they don't have the right information there are big headlines and tabloids that are being made for the sake of clickbait and for the sake mm. of, you know, sensationalization. And people get carried away because these are scary things. And then you are putting yourself, your children and other people's children at risk because you're not being vaccinated. So I think sometimes maybe we need to try not to get carried away by scary headlines because even I got a bit carried away. Yeah, go on. So... In, in that regard, right, my question would then be, I think the struggle that a lot of people have is that they don't know where to turn. And I, I'm asking mm. you this not because I have an answer, because I don't, but I feel that mm. the issue that a lot of people run into, because, like, you know, when I see people who are anti-vaxxers, and then I see the sort of information outlets that they turn to, it's not the sort of people that you would want anyone to listen to, but... To them, that's who they have. Yeah. Right? And, like, for example, even if they turn to a YouTube channel or whatever, like, they don't know that this person or this authority, this authoritative figure is spewing out. Are they spewing out the right mm -hmm. information, the right facts, or are they just speaking something from a biased perspective or a biased agenda? Like, we don't know that. Um, of course... I would like to think, because we're doing a podcast, I would like to think that our outlet is, um, it's, oh god, what's the word I'm looking for? It's a little more scientific, balanced, but how do you help someone, or how do you 
advise people who might not know like what is a trusted outlet or not because I don't know the answer to that and I feel like that's the problem I completely agree and I think I, I spoke to a few people I th- like more from a community perspective in, in terms of like I think we if you take social media the basis right it works on an algorithm it feeds you content that is very similar to the type of content you follow so it only perpetuates your way of thinking mm-hmm. and i think that's kind of part of the reason right like we follow the scientists and like new scientists and whatever else journals and stuff like that we search about these things and we've had a scientific education in terms of our degree so we we are used to the kind of journals and stuff like that so we're being fed that same content anti-vaxxers on the other hand they are seeking people who are going to be anti-vaxxers and again it's like a vicious virtuous cycle of the same thing again and again Mm -hmm. so how do you then and I, i thought about this like how do you then break that kind of cycle of you know your own um what that what's that called that cycle of you know hearing back what you think and like mm. reinforcing what you think um and i think it's more about it comes back to trust like if you if you listen to someone from your from your community that you actually trust and um believe then it's it's kind of what's going to help but it's kind of i I don't think I have the right answer, but I remember seeing this um, meme or Tumblr post where this girl was writing about how her mom was so against the COVID-19 vaccine. And it took her pastor to tell her that actually you should take the COVID-19 vaccine because of X, Y, Z reason. And that convinced her. And it's kind of like, you just need people who are like you to tell you that. So if you have Anthony Fauci or some random scientist telling you vaccine causing autism is bullshit like it's kind of telling you like as if you're stupid and like what I'm thinking is wrong and I think and if you have someone who is from your own community tell you actually this is the reason why it's wrong then you're probably going to be a bit more open to it and I don't know how we would find those people to kind of you know infiltrate anti-vaccine communities and be like actually you know these things are this way and that way yeah and also the the fact that we talked about you know science not being 100% absolute and we've been taught how as you said like in school like how we're believed as science is right and wrong and there's nothing in between it's that kind of thing where when something wrong happens, then it's kind of like, this must be wrong. And that's kind of a just absolute negation of there's nothing good about it. So I, I don't think I have the right answer. Um, and I'm not saying that anti-vaxxers, who knows, anti-vaxxers may not even be listening to our podcast because we're not part of that circle. Mm. Um, and I, yeah, I don't know what the right answer is either, apart from the fact that we just need to help find people who can be who are trusting and who anti-vaxxers might find trusting enough to communicate that um or present information in a balanced way i don't know actually Mm. i think it's this it's it's an issue we see with a lot of these things right like you're always going to have opposing views it's so hard to get everyone to think the same way yeah 
Um, I agree. I mean, but I think for me, I feel like, you know, whatever it is, anti-vaxxers aside, I feel like it's also because conversation has become very one-sided. Um, and maybe, you know, sometimes anti-vaxxers, maybe there are some of them who try to reach out, but, you know, maybe they're ridiculed or... I mean, mm, you've seen... Exactly. You, you've seen how some of these videos become viral, right? Like, where a person suddenly tries to talk to an anti-vaxxer and just humiliates him on camera and then uploads it on YouTube. It gets like 10 million views and everyone tries to do a witch hunt on this anti-vaxxer. And I'm like, this is not helping the situation, guys. He's exactly. gonna be, He's just going to tell people that people who want to vaccinate are crazy. And I, and I just don't like that rhetoric. Mm-hmm. And I feel yeah. like, you know, like, wait, like many years ago, it was the, it was... It, this was the same thing but with Muslims because of 9-11 there was a lot of videos mm. where you know like a Christian or a non-believer an atheist would speak to a Muslim and try to you know understand their views and then humiliate them and then post this video on YouTube it would get viral and I'm like this witch hunt approach never works and I think it just feeds the fuel like it makes things even worse so hopefully you know people out there if you're listening if if someone approaches you who believes in flat earth just you know i think have a civil conversation like okay you know no matter how egregious or how out there their claim may be they're still humans and none of us are perfect and none of us knows everything but um yeah i think i think conversations need to change i think we need to start speaking to each other with with more respect and better tone um but yeah stephanie before we wrap up is there anything else you'd like to add um, I think we've sort of covered that in, towards the end, right? I think yeah. one, um, I think we've tried to alleviate some of the concerns around vaccines, whether vaccines eyes hear us or not. Um, I think, again, I think every one of us, whether we accept, deny, or somewhere in between when it comes to vaccines or anything, just to kind of take a step back and like look at everything that's out there and have a balanced view and be aware of the biases that already exist in the information we consume, like as I said, like social media, it's just biased towards your point of view. You actually don't like, we can be here talking about anti-vaxxers, but actually we don't really know what anti-vaxxers actually see on their feet. Um, And to Azri's point, I think it it all comes down to tone. I think when, when we hear anti-vaxxers, the terminology itself, there's so much vileness in it Mm. um, that they are stupid or that they are just, um, antagonist for the sake of being antagonistic and there's a lot of kind of aggressiveness in in the way that we communicate Mm -hmm. Um, but maybe we just need to take a softer approach and like try and understand where their concerns are coming from and actually the fact that we come from a scientific background in itself is biased because we've seen our point of view is potentially biased because we've seen we've been in in a scientific education where we've interacted with the 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 bodies and whatever not involved in like clinical studies and all of that and we actually cannot step out step away and see actually as a layman who has never been involved in any kind of scientific research see how that and i think that that's the reality of it so while we can sit here and tell you that this is good this is bad our point of view might also be biased and it's okay to admit that and as azri said it's all about kind of having the conversation and understanding all point of view and trying to explain what's right not what's right but kind of what i think it's all about kind of 
seeing for yourself where the risk outweighs the benefits and that kind of thing as well. Um, and for us to help each other see actually the risk is small. Oh, actually, from your point of view, I can see how the risk is actually really big because you're looking at my bubble of my children or whatever. So I think, um, yeah, it's a the tone that we speak with people and not immediately jump to the conclusion that people are stupid just because they don't share the same view as you. Anyway. Yep. Well, uh, that has been the first episode of season five. Now, obviously, if you've noticed, this episode is a little bit shorter than usual because we are deciding to do a mini series on different themes. So for this particular theme on medicine, you're going to be expecting three mini series. Next episode, we're going to be looking at Western medicine and whether it is racist. (laughs) So stay tuned for that. As always, thank you so much for listening. Um... Please follow us on Instagram and Facebook. We are at underscore blurred thoughts. Um, we are also on anchor.fm, Spotify, and all other major podcasting platforms. So with that, thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Bye.